are listening to Strive of Nutrition's Ingredients for Success podcast, where you can consume dietary supplement industry best practices, trends, news, and other insights provided through interviews and discussions with industry professionals and members of the Stratum Nutrition team. Welcome to the Ingredients for Success podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Rizzo, and today's guest is Ivan Wasserman. Ivan is the managing partner of the leading regulatory, intellectual property, and litigation law firm, Amin Talati Wasserman. The firm is dedicated to the food, dietary supplement, and cosmetic industries and helps companies of all sizes develop products and create and execute marketing campaigns that are both legally compliant and effective. Ivan and his team represent clients in matters involving the FDA, the FTC, state attorneys general, class action litigation, trademarks and patents, and ingredient safety issues, including GRASS, NDI, and Prop 65 analysis. Ivan is also counsel to the International Probiotics Association and has been included in Best Lawyers in America from 2007 to 2022. Ivan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jackie, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you. This is such a pleasure. As we begin, um, please share a little bit of your backstory. What was your aha moment that led you to representing companies in the better for you industry? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's sometimes I think about it. If I think back to, to law school in the early 90s, if I thought one day I'd be reviewing dietary supplement labels and advertisements, I would have thought, are you crazy? What, what's a dietary supplement? <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I mean, like a lot of career stories, there's some, some planning, but mostly is luck and being in the, the right place at the right time. Um, yeah, I did go to law school in Washington, D.C., and, you know, outside of Washington, D.C., when you when you think of lawyers, you know, you primarily think of people fighting it out in court, right, or doing some big corporate deals like on L.A. law or something like that, uh, or doing family law or real estate law. Um, but being in Washington, I was sort of introduced to the world of federal regulations. Uh, obviously, it's all based here. Uh, and right out of law school, I actually worked for a, a healthcare law boutique. Uh, which I was doing um, Medicare work. So every year, every hospital sort of has a little fight with the federal government on whether or not they should, they're owed money under Medicare or whether they should pay money back because they were paid too much. And that is a legal process that is just about as creative and exciting as it sounds. You know, you're sort of just counting numbers. Uh, so I knew, uh, you know me a little bit, Jackie, that, that I've got a sort of creative side and I think maybe we'll be talking a little bit about more about that later in the podcast, but I knew that wasn't for me. And then one day I saw, literally just saw an ad in the local, back then it was still uh, print in the legal times, it wasn't online, uh, for an advertising regulatory lawyer. And I said, what is that? So I answered the ad and I met with the, the woman who was uh, running this small firm at the time who had been former uh, in-house counsel at the FTC. And she said, yeah, we get to you know, read food labels. We get to read cosmetic labels. We get to tell Estee Lauder to say things differently than their copywriters were saying. And I said, are, are you kidding? That's lawyers get paid to do that. And, uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. And then, you know, as I've been doing this for 25 years, it's just been such a wonderful thing meeting so many exciting people, so many uh, creative you know, people driven to really make make it a better world and make the, the food and supplement industries just a, another great way to 
keep people healthy. Mm -hmm. Well, I know our industry is very lucky to have you for sure fight for us and to help us stay in track and online. Um, so you've been, you said you've been practicing law for the past 25 years. Uh, when it comes to class actions against dietary supplement companies, do you think in the last few years, there's actually been a rise in cases? And if so, why do you think that is? Yeah, there's absolutely been, well, I should say that um, there's a tremendous rise in cases over the last, let's say, 15 years. Okay. Um, so maybe 15, 20 years ago, it was rare to see a consumer class action uh, based on you know something that a food or a dietary supplement or a cosmetic company said on a product label. Uh, you know that was just rare. Class actions were mainly you know people got injured by some type of product that they sold or or, or securities you know stock fraud stuff like that. And then going back about fifteen, I lose track of time years ago. Uh, someone in, in California realized that hey we can we can bring lawsuits against companies uh, for for quote unquote tricking company people into buying their products. So the way a class action works, just real briefly, is you know if you Jackie you know bought a product because it said natural and you didn't turns out it wasn't natural, you know what's your damages? Really, your only damages is getting your your money back, right? So three dollars for the bottle of pasta sauce or whatever you paid. But if it's a class action, you multiply one Jackie times times tens of thousands of Jackies uh, in the state of California, whatever state you're bringing the case in. And as you can see, those $3 add up quickly and therefore it's a financial incentive for the plaintiff's lawyers to bring those, those cases. And speaking of natural, going about 15, 20 years ago, the first big cases were brought against companies saying that their products were natural uh, food products, not supplement products. Uh, primarily based on the inclusion of high fructose corn syrup in the products, in the pasta sauce or the iced tea. And the companies thought, well, you know, yeah, it's, it's corn syrup. It comes from corn. And the plaintiff's lawyer said, well, it's so different than the way the ear of corn popped out of the ground. The thing's been chemically altered and, and all sorts of altered. So that high fructose corn syrup is no longer natural, even though the product's natural. So give everyone their money back. And once those cases sort of made headlines, that sort of opened the floodgate, if you will, against lawyers realizing that this is a way that you know they can they can make money. And since then, the, the number of cases have increased exponentially. Um, to get back to your specific question, in the last five six years or so, you know, there's a difference. Oh, there's a difference between sort of filed cases and demand letters. So we haven't seen a rapid increase in cases that have actually been filed in court. And we sort we track them closely. So that number has remained pretty consistent over the last four or five years of actual cases that are actually filed in court and it ends up being a battle in court. But what we have seen in the last five, 10 years is just a tremendous increase in the number of demand letters. And what a demand letter is, is you know the lawyer sends the company a letter saying, we think what you're doing is wrong on your label. Uh, we're going to sue you unless you settle before we sue you. In other words, unless you pay us. And our little law firm, as a barometer of, of that, you know, we, you know, we're a very fairly small law firm, but we have a large client base in, in the food and supplement industry. And we've every month, year after year, just seen an increase in the number of those types of letters that our clients are getting and we're having to deal with. And, and the reason is 
I think they're getting more creative as fewer and fewer companies are using the word natural and there's less and less low hanging fruit on the labels. Uh, they're looking more for creative ways to go after dietary supplement and other companies to try and try and get some money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. I feel like even just talking with um, CRN is, is that we want more education on the labels. Do you find that that is going to be a problem later with companies, um, you know, with, with lawyers and class action and um, just trying to think through this out loud, but pressing on more education for the consumer, doesn't that put more pressure on the companies with what they can actually put on their labels? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a balance that's, that's very important to think about. You know, there's the old saying, you know, less is more. Uh, and, you know, in some instances that, that may be appropriate, but I'm generally of the opinion that, that more is more on labels um, if you're using terms that aren't sort of universally understood, right? So if you use the word natural, what you think is natural, what I think is natural, or what my wife thinks is natural is, is three different things. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm big in the probiotic industry, as you mentioned. Uh, there's something called postbiotics out there uh, that people want to claim, which is, is generally deactivated uh, microorganisms. So it used to be alive, little little bacteria, now it's been deactivated or, or killed, I suppose, uh, by heat or something. And it still has medicinal, it still has therapeutic benefits, but they want to call it a postbiotic. I asked my daughter, hey, wh- what is, what do you think a postbiotic is? And she said, well, that, that must be something you take after you take an antibiotic. And I thought to myself, yeah, that makes sense, right? Because <laughs> that's biotic is what they think of, because not everyone's as deep in this industry like the human eye so when you use terms that aren't universally understood on your label like postbiotic perhaps like natural like maybe even clean and other words that people are using you know to 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 reduce your risk of, of a class action uh, on the cynical side or on the, the non-cynical side to make sure consumers understand you know explain explain what you mean by that you know, you can, you, the, those words, you can, you can put stuff on your website and you can direct people to your website to keep your label cleaner. But the more you can put right there at the point of purchase, I think the better off you are uh, to make sure consumers know what they're buying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. Thank you. Yeah. In your many years practicing law, what is the most ridiculous claim you've come across? <laughs> oh, Jackie. How long have you got? <laughs> um, I was thinking about this, uh, and you know, I've I've seen a lot in, in my years, and coming up with the most ridiculous is, is is hard. It's like you know, what's your favorite? Who's your favorite kid? Um, <laughs> and, and <laughs> what, what, that was the most ingenious, and, and I'll and I'll and I'll stay away from this. I, you know, I do things other general health and wellness products, not just supplements. But probably the most ingenious, fraudulent product I'd ever seen to this day. I don't know if you remember these. Do you remember the the Kenoki foot pads? No, I don't. There was an infomercial for them that were really big. They basically were this pad, you know, picture almost a maxi pad, if you will. Uh, You put it on the bottom of your foot, and they claimed to draw out toxins uh, from through your feet. And these things sold and sold and sold like you wouldn't believe. 
and the amazing visual that they had on television was that you put on a sort of picture of very clean white foot pad on your bottom of your foot. And then, you know, the graphics would show it drawing stuff out of your foot and you'd pull off the foot pad and it would be this black, you know, this dark black gross foot pad. Uh, so the visual was amazing. And so the consumers bought and bought and bought these things. Anyway, the Federal Trade Commission went off to those things and, you know, there's zero scientific evidence that they were drawing out any toxins. And basically the, from the perspiration, the moisture in your foot, it got whatever was in there was wet and turned it black. So, so that was sort of the thing. And then I wanna just mention, I just thought of this one, the most evil marketer I've ever come across. Early on in my career, I actually had a mail fraud. So you, could, you know, I, we, I, you mentioned FTC, FDA, but actually the Postal Service can go after you for mail fraud if you're using the, the, the mail service for, for defrauding customers. And one of the earliest cases I worked, well, I shouldn't say that, but the case I worked on um, involved mail fraud against a guy selling magic rocks. Uh, and so the, the, the newspaper ads said, you know, these rocks were blessed by some virgin in Europe and, you know, testimonials galore of, you know, I got this rock and I won the lottery or I got this rock and my fortunes changed. Anyway, you sent this guy $4 and, and, or whatever it was, and in theory, he was going to send you a rock. Uh, and they got in trouble, Jackie, are you sitting down? Uh, not because of false claims, not because if you got this rock, you weren't actually going to win the lottery. They got in trouble because they weren't sending people a rock. They were just taking their money <laughs> and literally not sending the dang rock. Just pure fraud. Uh -huh. Kind of like, um, this is silly, but like Jack and the Beanstalk is all I can think about is these magic beans, and these magic rocks. And can you believe people actually fall for that? <laughs> well, people fall for it. And, you know, the supplement industry, there are some cowboys out there, but generally, I think overall, we try to, we try to have some basis for our claims. Yes. So when companies are making claims, what should they always keep at the forefront of their mind before sending it out to the public? Yeah. So, I mean, it's from for the dietary supplement crowd out there, you know, the, the two, the two things to think of is one, you know, your claims for a dietary supplement can't claim to treat, cure, or prevent a disease. Boom. That's rule number one. And what is a disease is not as sort of uh, obvious or, or the way you and I might, or, or lay people might understand it. So for example, pain is, general pain is considered a disease by FDA. So that's rule number one. And rule number two, which is as important, is to make sure you have adequate science to support your claims. If you're buying from ingredient companies, uh, like the host of our podcast that does great science, uh, you know, make sure you review the science, uh, make sure that uh, the science is good. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you're just looking for a bargain on, on ingredients, but, you know, not all ingredients are the same and not all companies have the same level of, of scientific support for their claims. So, you know, make sure and don't just take companies' words for it, you know, and don't just rely on marketing materials. I can't tell you how many times uh, you know, a product company, a startup company says, well, you know, I met with the sales rep from this company and here's this brochure they gave me said I could make these claims. And the brochure will have all sorts of nice pictures and graphs and it'll be a graph with sort of an arrow 
you know, slowly pointing up with, you know, no numbers on the bottom of the graph or the side of the graph to have any idea what that arrow <laughs> means. So really, you know, make sure to do your homework in order to stay out of trouble. Yeah, that leads me into actually my next question. I feel like you, you may have already answered it, but just in case you have others to add to it, what are the top three tips you'd give to a new dietary supplement company who comes to you for advice? Um, you know, I think they got to realize, you know, I'm talking to a lot of marketers, you know, we're in this great turnover, this great, whatever they call it, turnover these days, this post-COVID thing. And I'm getting more and more clients just saying, hey, you know, our marketing department is 90% new people in the last two months because we've had so much turnover. And a lot of these people are just brand new to the dietary supplement industry. You know, they were selling, they were out of, they weren't selling anything before or they were selling, you know, car parts or something to that effect. And I, and I think, you know, the most important thing is to think, is to know that these aren't car parts. You know, these, it's not carpet cleaner. Uh, these are products that you are telling consumers to put in their mouth, to swallow uh, and to spend good money on uh, and perhaps, you know, forego other types of therapies or things like that. So you really do have a responsibility ethically and morally to make sure your products are safe, effective, et cetera. And then legally, of course, where, where I come in, uh, the regulations around these products are just so pervasive, uh, you know, so important and, and so much compared to just general consumer products for the very reasons I just talked about. These things can hurt people uh, and these things are capable of fraud. So you have to understand that there's very specific rules. I don't know if this is a top three, but just, you know, number one, make sure you know, make sure you know that any word on your product can get you in trouble. So make sure every word is carefully selected. You know, uh, I'd say, you know, make sure you're going to someone who knows what they're doing if you don't uh, to review your stuff before it hits, before it hits the airwaves. You're responsible for not, not just, you're responsible for your claims to have scientific evidence for your claims before, uh, or at the same time, I should say, as you as they're released to the market. I get companies saying to me from time to time, you know, hey, if, if I get in trouble, I'll, I'll run a clinical study. You know, if, if someone asks me, I'll run a clinical study to prove, prove my claims. It doesn't work that way. You've got to have it beforehand. So, so number one is do your homework. Number two, make sure you've got good people advising you and helping you. And number three, if you want to sleep safely every night, maybe, maybe think of another industry to get into. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Or have a really good regulatory department that you, you can go. definitely not do. I know that here at Stratum, we are Mark. Our marketing department, we are, um, especially, you know, David Hoover, the marketing manager and Alexis Collins and the director of product and brain strategy. So they're very creative and definitely we always want to kind of push a little bit and kind of push regulatory just a little bit more so we can be creative and say some fun things. Um, but we are very grateful that they keep us in check and we still get to have fun and we do it without being an FDA's radar or something like that, you know, um, yes, so yeah. definitely oh, get yeah, regulatory. No, no. Yeah, you guys have an amazing reputation, and I can tell there's some, there's some brains behind those claims. They, they certainly know what they're doing, which is which is amazing. And I guess the, the I, I, and as you said that the fourth the fourth rule, I could make twenty rules, I'm sure, but 
this is one of the things that drives, I'm sure your your regulatory department others crazy. Just because other people are saying it doesn't mean it's okay. That's <laughs> the biggest thing to know. I can't tell you how many times a week, you know, I'll say you can't say that, and then I'll get, you know, the the client will send, you know, eight app companies on Amazon and you know, one company that no one's ever heard of saying what I just said you can't say. It, it's a wild, wild west. I'm sorry, it's a wild, wild internet out there with lots of smaller companies saying all sorts of different things. And the FDA can't go after everyone. Uh, but just like the old cop analogy, if the FDA goes after you, you know, uh, or if the cop goes after you for going 65 and a 55, the, the cop's never going to just say, okay, you're fine. Just if you say everyone else was going 70, right? You're still going to get the ticket. And, and the same thing is in the FDA. FTC world, you know, you, you can say, hey, FDA, what do you mean? Look at all these other companies saying that it doesn't matter. Uh, we don't know who their lawyers are. We don't know what kind of risks they're willing to take. Uh, and it's very gratifying. And you also don't know if they're being investigated because the investigations are typically non-public until they're public, until they're done. So one of the most gratifying parts of my of my years is if I can send a warning letter to, to a company who to my clients when they said, look what this other company is saying, and I told them not to do it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for making that clear. I feel like as a marketer in this industry, it is good for me to hear and to be reminded of, and I'm sure our regulatory department are going to be like, thank you so much, Ivan, for saying that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got their back. Um, yeah, you do. You definitely do. So in closing, um, rumor has it, that you are still the one and only probiotic comedian. And not only that, but that you'll be taking your act to the big stage at Supply Side West this year. Can you give our audience a bit of a teaser as to what we can all expect? Uh, that is true. Uh, I like to say I'm, a, I'm an aspiring lawyer and a practicing probiotic comic. <laughs> and I can safely say, I think that I still am the world's only probiotic comic, which is hard to believe given the success I've had that there haven't been more, more imitators in the, the burgeoning field of probiotic comedy. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, as you said, I've been doing now this uh, stand-up probiotic comedy. It's just, it still makes me laugh every time I say it because it's so ridiculous, but so fun, but so true. Um, at Supply Side West for, I think, four or five years now. Uh, primarily, it's been on the small stage at the Probiotic Resource Center. But this year, I'm grateful to Informa and the, well, I'm either grateful or, or terrified to the folks at Informa have, have moved me up to the show and actually put my, my show on, on, the, on the official Supply Side West program uh, on the big stage. Uh, a teaser is... You can expect, I'm not going to give a joke, uh, but you can expect more, even more, I think, of a sort of vaudeville style variety act with uh, ventriloquism, with <gasps> musical guests. Uh, I can give a plug. I know that, uh, you know, Mike Bush, right? Mike Bush from yes. uh, is going to be on stage uh, playing guitar. Uh, Andy Hockman from, from Roundtable is going to be singing. Um, Heather Granado from uh, Informa that everyone knows and loves has got an angelic voice is once again going to be joining me on stage to do a musical number. 
uh, and and I think you'll expect some some surprises, which will surprise me too because I'm still working on it. But uh, but it's <laughs> hopefully it'll be fun. It sounds like it's going to be a great show. Um, I was wondering if you were going to bring out your guitar because I re vaguely remember you doing a Hanukkah song. And then also you did a song in, I think it was 2020, where you were, you kept repeating it with your guitar. You can't say, here's COVID. You can't yes. say over and yes. over. So I was wondering if you were going to bring that out again. Uh, I might. One of the secrets, if you follow my, my comedy thing, is I don't actually really play guitar. So that was more of a, <laughs> just randomly strumming random stuff to, to, for, for effect. But yeah, it was, it you worked. can't claim your supplement cures COVID. You can't even <laughs> claim it if it's true. Uh, so I tried to, I tried to hit that home. Uh, now, Mike Bush is, is an accomplished guitarist. So I'm going to bring the pros in for that. But, oh, well, I can't wait. I can't wait. Thanks, Well, Jackie. Ivan, thank you so much for your time this morning and joining me on the show. You always bring humor and you take big issues and you make them understandable and relatable for people like me. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Stratum, for this great uh, podcast. Uh, I always enjoy uh, listening to it and uh, looking forward to, to seeing everyone live one day uh, at Supply Side. I hope. Come to the show. That's right. Everyone should come to your show. <laughs> All right. We'll see you soon. Bye, Ivan. Bye. Thank you.